right, I welcome you all to another episode of the Cosmic Matrix podcast. Today with your host Bernard Gunther and my partner Laura Matsu. And our very special guest today is Eve Lorgan. And Eve and I, we have some history. We already had like, I think it was five years ago, we had a couple of roundtable discussions with colleagues of ours, Tom Montag, James Bartley, Laura Leon and others. One was on the Love Bite um topic that's just emphasis on your work and also on hyperdimensional um interferences and how to dis and the and the keys to discernment so those were uh two like three hour panel discussions that we had were very very good i think you there you post on them on your website they're posted on my mm -hmm. website and youtube channel as well youtube channel so people can check them out um but today we want to dive deeper into what you've been up to, your current work, how it ties into the bigger picture and the work we are doing and all that. And I just want to like uh, introduce people who are new to your work just to um, share a little bit of your bio. Eve Lorgan is a dedicated counseling and hypnotherapy professional author, anomalous trauma researcher, Hatha Yogi and Taoist Qigong practitioner. She began her pioneering work with alien abductees, mylabs and mind control victims while earning her master's degrees in counseling psychology in 1992. She also holds a Bachelor in Biochemistry and worked in the biotechnology industry for seven years. Eve started a support group in 1994 in San Diego County, California, for experiences of anomalous trauma and continues to consult with anomalous trauma clients worldwide while living in Western North, Western North Carolina. She was close associate of the late Barbara Bartholik and is dedicated in continuing expanding the work of the late Dr. Carla Turner. Anomalous trauma is defined as traumatic events that are out of the normal range of human experience. These experiences may include alien abductions, near-death experiences, shamanic initiations, military abductions, malabs, mind control, spiritual warfare, demonic and psychic attacks, cult involvement, and narcissistic abuse. Early on in her career counseling alien abductees, she discovered a plethora of unusual experiences that often accompanied those who reported alien encounters and malabs. The most prominent aspect of Eve's counseling and support is with those who are experiencing some form of alien or paranormal orchestrated love relationships, love relationship issues of what she calls the love bite or the dark set of Cupid, which I've also talked about and my shared my experiences and all of that. Well, welcome to the show, Eve. Glad to have you on again. I'm I'm glad to be here, and it's always fun to to do updates with you guys because I know you keep up with all kinds of reports that are coming in where. I think people are becoming more and more aware of the anomalous things that are happening in their personal lives. And I think they're stumbling across it actually in a lot of the um, alternative healing in uh, communities, as well as, you know, what we used to kind of broadly base new age, but they're not all bad. It's just that um, there's things that are happening that don't necessarily fall into the categories of what we grew up with. Even when I got my master's degree in counseling psychology, they didn't, I mean, um, post PTSD was, you know, recognized, but they barely recognized like a DID or MPD personality disorders. And so now, like years later, I think there's a lot more known about MPD, um, dissociative identity disorder, mind control uh, and trauma that causes those kinds of personality disorders. But mm -hmm. now there's there's much more about um, what I call the narcissistic abuse and recovery movement mm -hmm. that. Thank goodness I learned when I did, and I didn't really start learning until probably the late 2000s when I came across Sam Backman's work and who is a self-professed uh, narcissist, and then learning about um, 
the effects of narcissistic abuse. And that seemed to kind of seal the the final nail in the coffin in terms of finally realizing why certain healing modalities were and were not working. And it, and it took an understanding of narcissistic abuse and really to get deeper into some of the effectiveness of trauma healing. And this also connected with my work with alien abduction traumas and the encounters they had, and then the love obsessions and the relationship orchestrations, manipulations, and interferences that occurred with, quote, alien abductees and people who had those kinds of histories. But as we did those panels years ago, like five years ago now, this has expanded into a deepening understanding of the hyperdimensional interference of relationships, mostly love relationships, but could be any kind where we can start to recognize when that's happening, how it's happening and how to heal from it and how not to be victimized by it so that we can mm-hmm. you know, go around that, that pit in the road, so to speak. And so this, this continues to be reported to me in numbers, but I think most of them don't necessarily consider themselves, let's say alien abductees or have that kind of history but they may recognize that they might have had a dream about a UFO or an ET or an alien, or it was a twin flame thing that happened after, you know, being in contact with a certain guru. And then all these weird things happened. Mm-hmm. So it just kind of opened up a whole can of worms really with understanding how this connects with a hyperdimensional and even an alien interference in human affairs and how we need to recognize psychology, maybe even differently Uh, Even in terms of, let's say, a DSM diagnosis category, I think there should be a new one for something like an alien love biter, a dark side of Cupid manipulated relationship where there's, you know, the paranormal, supernatural and the deliberate targeting mind control strategies to narcissistically abuse more severely in many cases of these people. So that that's what I'm coming across is that I have to learn you know, effective trauma resolution, but understanding it from the supernatural, paranormal, and even targeting technologies. And Mm -hmm. how can we deal with this when we really don't have as many tools as we would like to help? Yeah. And I think it is great that trauma and narcissistic abuse has become a part of like mainstream conversation. It certainly wasn't the case five years ago. Yet at the same time, I think there's a limitation there as well. And our understanding of how trauma can be um, influenced by these hidden forces is like there's no understanding or recognition of the spiritual dimension of it. So how would you say to, you know, what would be the key difference between someone who's dealing with regular relationship issues based on their childhood conditioning and when there's a presence of a, a, a more sinister occult force present, like what's what's the difference? Because you have a lot. We have a lot of people now who find out about the love bite, and they're like, "Oh my god, I'm in a love bite relationship." Yeah. When it could have just been their childhood <laughs> wounding a- that they didn't heal, and then they want to just also yeah. again like move into like blame instead of just looking at it more practically. Exactly. Yeah. And it's you know in in reality, well, our lives are we're mixed jumble of a lot of different things it's not always cut and dry but in the original definition of the quote alien love bite it actually originated with barbara bartholuk's um, observation more defined towards love obsessions and sometimes sexual manipulations by these alien beings who would abduct people who had multiple encounters 
And then they would literally orchestrate and set them up and manipulate their bioenergies, sexual energy, emotional energies, in whatever way to set them up with a targeted partner. Mm -hmm. And then it would play out in a certain syndrome where one person would have the primary love obsession. Sometimes the targeted other partner would have an immediate obsession, but then would be switched off after Mm -hmm. the alien abducted them and actually instructed them and switched them off so that the other person was pining away and unrequited love Mm -hmm. where it was as if it was a loose feeding operation. So that was the more clinically defined alien love bite where there was many case histories where, okay, they, they had multiple abduction histories. You know, they saw the aliens, they, they saw the craft, there might've been some witnesses, you know, they saw certain kinds of beings that would appear in their room during an abduction, or they would have joint encounters with people and then later have a love obsession later with the one that they were abducted with that they met later. It was like a real person. Mm. So, so the dark side of Cupid, I would say, is is similar in that there is some kind of what I call a third-party entity, like a ghost, a demon, an ET, um, you know, astral figure, or even a ascended master, you know, pretending to be a lover kind of thing, and that would be directing a love obsession either astrally or behind a figure. Sometimes it's a celebrity figure or a popular guru teacher, or maybe just, you know, somebody they think is their twin flame or their soul soulmate. Hmm. And then that person might be hosted by one of these entities that are loose vampire feeders, like reptilians, dracos, or certain, certain types of beings. They may have many forms. So that's more of a dark side of Cupid where it's definitely witnessed. There is a entity being witnessed somewhere Mm -hmm. and there might be a history of mind control abduction or um you know attached entities and one or both partners so i there's a way that i do like kind of like an intake interview where i find out different aspects of their lives to see where the connections could come in Mm -hmm. where the um, entities could come in for example one of the primary ways that they could come in i believe now after looking at this is if there is a, you can call it from a Christian perspective, a type of, there's a property possession in certain generational curses where blood oaths were done by one's ancestors or parents, grandparents, whatever. Mm. And it could be, you know, a, a black magic thing, or it could be, you know, a Freemason organization where there was a blood oath or some kind of vow taken to a spiritual organization, the egregore or entity or Lucifer, and then those lines have, um, they lay claim over those bloodlines and the the downline of those people who made the blood oaths. So until one, let's say, wakes up and you say, no, I no longer want to be under the authority of this particular bloodline curse, I therefore break it and bind it in the name of power of Jesus Christ or whatever form that really works for you. Um, I can't say that's the only thing, but it tends to be the most powerful that I've found to just really nip it in the bud as long as you abide by the parameters of living a certain way, which was like a follower of Jesus Christ. This is how you live with compassion and you do good and you stop lying and da da da. Mm. Those people might have a higher propensity to get caught up in a dark Cupid or even an alien love bite based on the access point that made them um, more opportunistic uh, targets. Yeah. And those contracts can even happen in past lives, which gets even trickier because most people do not have any recollection of such, you know, where they made an agreement to a being, maybe they dabbled in black magic or the occult in past lifetimes and they made an agreement 
And now it's carried over in this lifetime where that being has the permission to take over their body as well. Yeah, it's a so, classical agreement of entrapment, right? Yes, We're yes. About. Yeah. I definitely had that reported with, um, you know, reptilians and where they were in another life or that's what they claimed. And you always have to wonder, like, some beings will will lie to you in order to justify their existence mm -hmm. to make you believe and accept them. So we always have to, is this my true realization and not like, let's say what a psychic told me. Mm -hmm. um, yes. So we always, you know, when we're intent on really wanting to discover the truth, um, I think it's revealed when you, when you're ready and, yeah. and then you'll know like um, when to let go of something. And, um, but that definitely happens. Like even in the, early alien abduction literature that Barbara Bartholick had um, brought up and Dr. Carla Turner was that many times the beings that were involved in abductions uh, were observed in near-death experiences, let's say earlier in, in that current lifetime or in other lifetimes, mm -hmm. so that they were observed at other points in that person's existence that, that seemed to prove that they're not just there for that one lifetime, that they could be interacting, you know, former lives or near-death experiences as well yeah. mm. so that's so there's this one aspect we know this like the you know almost these occult hostile forces these negative entities they need to quote unquote respect free will they need our consent to come in right it can be manipulated consent some of a trap of agreement or even out of naivety you know new age type people trying to you know make contact with other beings getting the faustian pact with the devil you know mm -hmm. trying to you know that kind of thing Uh, engaging in black magic without knowing that they're actually engaging in black magic, so to speak, and then imposter entities, you know, good guys or the bad guys appearing as good guys and all of that. So there's that, there's that entry point. And as Laura said, and you confirmed that can happen over generations, over lifetimes, literally, right? Yes. So what I'm um, <clears throat> interested in, because in our, in my work, you know, I talk about it and, and we also, what I really appreciate about your work, you're really deep into the anomalous, hyperdimensional, occult, kind of like, alien uh, topic the paranormal and i also want to point this out what you make clear that the classic love by the dark side of cupid is has to have a strong paranormal um, component to that yes and i've seen since this topic has become more popular it's great but many people i've seen it abuse it you know to justify to use it as a like scapegoat you know yeah. when they're actually dealing with quote-unquote basic relationship trauma and stuff and shadow projections and all of that yes and what i really like about your work in general because you're also you know one of the very original who brought this all to to popularity so to speak but even your work has and i'm sure as you know has been distorted in many different ways but you really have evolved as you shared at the beginning to the, the importance of trauma work of 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 healing our wounds yes. childhood wounds trauma that because these are the entry points i've seen this as well the work within myself and with others and even the course laura and i are hosting you know embodied soul awakening we have a module where we really show the importance of the inner work shadow work right trauma work childhood wounding all of that you know uh, and especially nowadays that great modalities we talked about this before the call like new somatic trauma modalities yeah. to heal the entry point right yes and you can see it also from the we bring the other topic the occult topic entities but make clear that we need to heal the entry point and it's not just about trying to go to an exorcist and yeah, you know, like get rid of the energy entity. worker who can you know, eliminate like, entities like yeah. take out the cords and just clear yes. me you know what i mean yes. there's deeper work needed yes. right so what is your experience with that yeah you know it's a learning experience too and i would have to say that even as i learned things i thought there there might be easier ways to 
to deal with it. And then I had to learn that, you know, it's a longer path in terms of really going deep into our own psychological wounds and trauma and taking responsibility where we can and not necessarily blaming or thinking one, you know, teacher, guru, exorcist, shaman will be able to heal us all of some, you know, attachment or some, or a curse, yeah. even though it can be helpful. But I found that there are certain personality types who, you know, I mean, it's just the way human nature is where we want to blame someone and yes. then they will run from, I mean, I actually run across this a lot where they run across from, you know, one psychic or one shaman or one healer <laughs> to the next. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it's because they're looking for their soulmate or their twin flame. And I've had reports where there's many people, you know, out there presenting themselves as these uh, kind of like a matchmaker for their twin flame mm. where they do some yes. kind of special meditation <laughs> in this syrupy, sweet, wonderful, oh, twin flame. And then they'll do these meditation yeah. rituals in the astral. And then they'll bring them in, open up portals and freaking reptilian comes in. It's a hosted person who's mm. like, they're they're hosted by a drac. Yeah. And, and I people who were direct witnesses to knowing the connections between, you know, that particular facilitator who was really doing a type of magic, thinking it was a type of, you know, uh, I don't know, harmless invocation and bringing in your twin flame when mm. you're actually doing a form of magic and opening up portals to bring these beings in that were already hosting or had some kind of maybe agreement with another person where they would be matched together with that um targeted partner twin flame but they're already being hosted by the demon that came in mm. so drac or whoever it was so and they're they're playing this game that they really are the twin flame and then when they when this plays out and they start connecting with the person and observing the the dreams that happen the astral connections and the the weird stuff and the emotional highs crashing lows and the classic um it's kind of like the narcissistic game of emotional pulling your strings, the ups yeah. and the downs and the dramas and the traumas and the gaslighting. And, and, and it's so, so interesting how um, in the ones that are hosted by, let's say, a, a loose feeding entity, like let's say a reptilian or a drac or even a, a demon or anything that's that tends to feed on energy and attention will mm -hmm. play out as a narcissistic abuse type of relationship, whether it's covert, overt, borderline, or addictive compulsive in some way where they just keep you in this trauma drama business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's very common. It's just like a signature dynamic. Yes. That that happens a lot and getting unglued from that. And, and there is a bliss that will happen with the um, astral twin flame thing, because these beings know how to access those energy, sexual energy points. And sometimes they, they, they'll put in, you know, <laughs> implants in, you know, certain areas of the energy body, the sexual root chakra, whatever. And then they will activate it so that it gets more activated during sexual arousal or masturbation or whatever they're doing with this love by partner or twin flame or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so <laughs> why do you think, I'm just curious, because I've noticed a pattern of people who come to me or just on the spiritual path. It's almost like this narcissistic abusive relationship is also a type of initiation. So what is it about, like, have you, I don't know if you've noticed this yourself, but like, why is it so common with people who are kind of on the spiritual path to fall into these kinds of dynamics? Oh, well, you know, I'd say that it's a type of 
targeting, because um, I've seen this even in people in the Christian communities, although I've seen this in, it was in the dark side of Cupid, where let's say one woman who she had a love bite set up and it was a classic, you know, trauma, drama, gaslighting, the whole thing. And then um, her work environment was actually a research targeting company, kind of like taken over by Satanists who had this technology and they were like setting her up. And so once she caught on to what was going on and she confronted the guy, like broke up with him, then a whole slew of other men just suddenly entered her lives as if they were orchestrated to come in to fill the spot of the, the love bite that didn't work. Mm-hmm. They were still being manipulated from another source that was hyperdimensional and possibly technology with like a group of Satanists, actually, in, in that particular case. But then I've seen other cases where um, it was a really good Christian person who, who's like has has a powerful Holy Spirit gift in them. Mm. And then um, because they are really, you know, working to reveal what the Holy Spirit is telling them, and they're maybe starting on a teaching path, mm. something happens in their life. That's just like a horrible, devastating thing. Uh, and then these men are sent in, like, let's say dating um, after a breakup with another one. And mm. then the ones sent in are the, it's like they're being tested um, mm. because basically hosted by the wrong energies yes. so they would set in their path to actually offset their destiny of of working maybe more powerfully as a healer as a teacher mm-hmm. as a minister whatever so mm-hmm. it's a targeting type of thing that could happen and i suppose some people could look at it as a, um, a spiritual initiation where i've had this report reported even in the alien abduction literature where the aliens would you know put them together and such and such. And then they, these two married couples who have an obsession, let's say with each other, but they're married to other partners and they go to a conference and they, they have this, uh, what do you call it? Temptation to have an affair. And it's like, it's love bite where they're really amping their sexual energies and everything, but then Mm -hmm. they don't bite. They don't get together. They don't have an affair. And then the aliens visiting them later saying, Oh, congratulations. You passed the test, you know, Mm -hmm. but I just think that's a con job. I think that's just to make them believe that the aliens are good. And then, you know, keep them on this dangling carrot that the alien handlers are really good and they really you know, or testing them for their spiritual evolution or something. Yeah. Yeah, because, sorry, can I just say something that? Because it reminds me, you know, like when I was in India doing my yoga teacher training, you know, I was feeling amazing high states of consciousness. And there was a point when I, like, there was this predatorial energy coming through the form of just random guys, like kind of just trying to harass me in India, which is very interesting. Like, I'd go to a restaurant and sit down. A guy would sit in front of me and like wouldn't leave and would just keep harassing me or follow me down the street. And this is when I felt at my best. And that's when I realized there's almost a correlation with like when you're anchoring a high amount of life force and these predatorial energies come through. And I think the main thing too is also like on a basic trauma perspective is like getting into touch with a a right relationship with your own sexual energy. Because if you have wounds and traumas that are Mm -hmm. unhealed, it's so much easier Mm -hmm. to manipulate your sexual energy as well. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I I wanted to add on that there. Thank you. That's very important because there's a targeting aspect, right? Also people on the verge of an awakening, right? Or people who are doing helping serve uh, serve others, you know, speaking truth. You know, I can see in my own life, even my own, dark set of cupid experience i've written about extensively almost like <clears throat> eight nine years ago 
um, was definitely targeted. It nearly took me down. I was almost going to delete my work, you know, got suicidal thoughts and depression. Like I was very confused emotionally, psychologically. But as Laura mentioned, it was in a sense an initiation. Um, I could have gone two ways. I could have gone completely into the blame track, you know, that, you know, taking it personal, not understanding what has been working through the person, first of all, mm. and then blaming her or just entities and whatnot. But it forced me really to take responsibility for my own stuff. Because what I realized that that person, you know, which also was manifested in this narcissistic personality or borderline type personality, as you mentioned, right? That's yeah. kind of how these interference manifest. But it was also getting uh, into my own wounds, which were still unconscious back then. My mm. own narcissistic wounding. You yes. know, you understand, you know, I'm sure you know the concept of narcissistic wounding of being raised by some parent has narcissistic tendencies and whatnot. Yeah. So you attract, so you become more codependent and yeah. attract narcissistic personality. And I didn't even know I was codependent. That happened, you know, as I started working on myself. So a therapist, oh my God, you know, all these issues came up, blaring my face. So that was my initiation. And I had to then really like do deep inner work, inner child work, trauma work mm. to take responsibility because it was clear that these these were the entry points where they, you know, mm. get in. So yes, there's a correlation between being targeted, yes. but they can only come in if there's something within you that responds to that. So and if yeah. you can then engage in this deeper work, that's, I felt, the initiation, the outcome, you know, the, the, the story of the wounded healer or really the, like a rite of passage in a sense, if you can use it as a teaching function. Yeah, sorry, I just want yeah. to add on to that. And looking back, the reason why this kind of predatorial energy was targeting me is because I actually didn't have the ability to say no and make boundaries as well. Yeah. So that was like my weak spot. I was feeling really good. And it was, I mean, I would tell them to go away, but I didn't have that kind of firmness in my in my energy. And I can see how that's also what Peter Levine talks about in trauma work. You know, you need to awaken the tiger. You need to awaken your ability to get angry and to make boundaries, to say no. And that's why that trauma piece is so important. Yeah. So what is your experience over the years? Like, how do you um, use trauma therapy and what kind to work with the people who are dealing with anomalous trauma, but bringing it down to a more practical approach with more somatic type of trauma work, I would suppose? Yeah, you know, it's only been... What I want to say recently, I mean, I've done things where I really work with people from a compassionate listening, helping them understand, but sometimes trauma is so deep that that's not working for them or they're not ready to do the work or to, to let go of the blame or to, uh, or to take the step in doing the deeper work. And the, and the deeper work can be the somatic part, which I think definitely needs, you need to go that deep because of the, um, I see that the attachment trauma origin, which usually is a pre-verbal, like infant to two years old type of trauma, which is if you can get that deep, then you can deal with the interpersonal styles and repetitive things that keep happening. But if you, so you have to go really, really deep to find it. And that's usually some kind of body sensory thing. So in order to go deep enough, we have to get out of what I call the the complex PTSD, which is what really happens when you have pervasive long-term trauma from childhood. Um, then you have to recognize how you respond in terms of your primary trauma response, which would be the fight, flight, freeze, fawn. Yes. And primary personality style, which, you know, some people clearly have a personality disorder from a DSM perspective, like the narcissist, the borderline, the sociopath, but usually the narcissist and the sociopath won't 
come to therapy unless they're forced usually by a marriage partner. Yeah. Uh, so borderlines will come in and borderlines tend to be so distorted and blaming and emotionally dysregulated. They have a hard time um, working deeply on their own without blaming and going into trauma dramas and um, yeah. expecting you to do all the miracles and then turning around and bad mouthing you for not um, basically doing, you know, an exorcism on all their problems. When, yes. when they're still doing everything that causes all the attachments, right? Yes. So it's like, okay, if they're going to be porn addicted, you know, and, and, and alcoholic and, and, you know, messing with people lives and burning bridges and relationships and then expect you to like pull off their entities. It's like, are you kidding me? You know what I mean? So yeah, exactly. those kind of things are unrealistic yeah. expectations. So yes, you're right about going deep. So but you know what? On, on that note, I want to say you made a very important point, which I also found out. You know, you need to be in a certain state of being or some sort of quote unquote healthy state of mind to be able to engage in trauma work, first of all. Like you just mentioned, right? Sort of people are not really. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, the as someone who has borderline traits of borderline personality are obviously the hardest cases to work with, even for a professional therapists, right? Because the amount of transference and countertransference that goes on as well. Yeah. And then it also comes down to the intention of the individual is do they really want to get better? You know, do they really want this as well? And I think that it's very easy to, especially when you're working in any sort of healing, helping professions, that they want to make you their mom or their dad and to come and fix everything, right? And that's the tricky thing to navigate is like that you, then you, you as a therapist also have to be aware when that's happening and being able to mm. help lead the person back to a more empowering state. And there are certain therapists who are all, who will also um, like capitalize on that because then they're like, okay, I'm your savior and they feel good about themselves too, right? <laughs> so that's the whole... That's that's a whole other rabbit hole. But I also think that, you know, this compassion is a really big piece as well. And just being able to witness the person in their story. And, you know, especially with the topics you're dealing about, I, I guarantee you if they went to a, another therapist, they would also tell them that they were psychotic or having delusions or something, you know, or lead them back to that answer. So even just to be validated in their experience is, is also really huge. Yeah. So what are you going to say? Honey? No, no. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's why many are unable to get well. And um, we see this in a lot of the what we call the cult abuse, yes. SRS abuse families where, you know, it's set up so that they, they could never escape or get well because they're not believed because the systems themselves of the, you know, psychological association, medical association, academia, religion, da, 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 mm. is controlled by the, the ones who control the narratives who are controlling these families. And so just to be believed is is a big step in being able to have enough of your human needs met to yes. actually go the path because sometimes it's not safe to to do the trauma like facing the trauma and, and that's what peter levine is really good about explaining um and i i just enjoyed his videos i've been just consuming them lately and one of the things that he mentioned that i would agree is it's like uh, the myth of medusa where you can't look at that di Medusa directly or they would freeze. Mm, like, yes. Done. And it's like the trauma, sometimes you can't go at it directly. It's too mm. strong. Yes. The mobility fear response or the fight response takes over and then it immobilizes you so that you just get traumatized over and over again. Mm. Don't do that. And that's why a lot of people don't want to do hypnotic regressions 
because they they'll feel like they'll just get traumatized over again. So you have to kind of go around it yes. in such a way that we we pull up the inner resources, but also like you said, it has to be the deep somatic uh, primal instinctual responses must come up from the person. And that's what makes the connection of power to make a transformation possible. Yes. That's why it's, it's hard to do because many people are actually chronically dissociated. They don't even know it. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. They can't yeah. get well if they're dissociated and they can't actually tap into spiritual power. Like yes. maybe they think they do in channeling or meditation and, and they're, they're chronically dissociated. So yeah, really deep enough in the body and in the instinct to pull up the resources to gradually face the trauma small bit by small bit to you basically reframe and you build new good feelings to build a new foundation of completely new beliefs and feelings that, that restructure how you even view yourself in reality. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Maybe that's also why he's really big on just focusing on the felt sense, you know, because Peter somehow, Levine, right? yeah, Peter yeah. Levine's work, because in a way, you know, that can also bypass the emotional and identification we have around it. it's like, okay, what's happening when you're with your chest when you're feeling that way? Is it clenching? Is it opening? You know, and it also is interesting, too, because I think, I mean, I went through this on my path when I was getting really into Vipassana. Um, and nothing about about Vipassana. I had great experiences, but I was using it to spiritually bypass my trauma. And I was getting disassociated and thinking that I felt better, but then I was becoming dependent on meditation in order to feel that way. And then when I got back into my body or something got triggered, you know, all the trauma came to surface. So it's very interesting, too, because I think about this a lot, how, you know, they have these kind of ancient spiritual, you know, the Hindu sages were all about like, you are not the body, you are not the body, you know, and just identify with the self and everything will be okay. But the it, but it's but as Westerners, it's almost like we actually need to develop a better relationship with our body in order to actually access that self. We're like almost skipping a step and just trying to disassociate when we're already disassociated. So I just like to hear your thoughts on that because you know how these spiritual concepts can easily so easily be used for spiritual bypassing if they're taken even at the wrong time or the wrong point in the journey. Oh gosh, I mean I, I realized this in my own walk, although. I think meditation is beneficial for calming and focusing and yes, but I know that it does help dissociate. And, and what I find almost disturbing really now, when I look at it, it's like um, our whole concept of spirituality and spiritual power and embodiment has been distorted by uh, religions and certain practices, which is actually facilitating dissociation mm. and in a way that it's actually taking away our spiritual power mm -hmm. and deluding us into thinking maybe we are more spiritual when in reality we're being hijacked. Yeah. Uh, I say sometimes this hijacking takes place um, interdimensionally. Mm. So we do have to get back in our bodies. And, and I've experienced the same thing as you, Laura, where, you know, I thought that, that the meditation was helping and it did help. But once I got more aware, it actually brought a lucidity of awareness that was so shocking to be back in my body, mm. but to mm. feeling the absolute rage of injustice mm. of being narcissistic and abused for years and years and years mm. that I could barely contain. You know, it was like the, all the rage came up at once and all the awareness of the insanity um, was almost too hard to handle. And yes. I had to go back into complacency just just to manage the feelings that of of the insanity of being in a relationship with a narcissist. Yeah. So 
And that's also that's also the sign that you're getting out of the freeze state as well. Peter Levine talks about, you know, abuse, abuse survivors. They often feel this intense rage when they get back into their instincts, basically. Just fascinating because then again, in spiritual teachings, they're like, you know, don't be angry, ahimsa, nonviolence, you know, but that's actually such a crucial step in getting back into our, you know, human instincts and our humanity, actually our animal instincts as well. So yeah, no, I can I can relate to that. I mean, like you had to hit the nail on the head, Eva, uh, about, you know, I always say a lot of all of us are traumatized to varying degrees. Trauma literally meaning just wounded. You yes. know, people don't understand when they hear trauma, they think, oh, it's a big T trauma, like right away, physically, you know, the, like like the big events, rape, sexual disaster, abuse, whatnot. War. But we all have developmental trauma to varying degrees. And we live in a society where literally pathology is normalized. So yes. we're constantly getting traumatized, gaslit even now. And we live already in a very head-centric um, place mm. all the time. So we're dissociated by nature. Mm. And just, be, you know, we have so much locked out. And I can I can relate to that. I used to be very head-centric and I'm finding good. And like the more I work on myself even now after 25 years of doing inner work, it still comes down to the basics, right? I still have to work on my little triggers and stay in, in body and just work through it and allow myself to feel it in all of that yes. rather than using spiritual concepts or even other concepts, you know, kind of to, to bypass the process. I, I think there's, I mean, I'm sure you have experienced in your work. There's, as I like to say, the psyche has its own timetable of healing. We cannot force mm-hmm. things. We're going to push. There's a journey to that. Mm. Thing, right. Yes. Yep. And we also need to be in a safe enough environment to even start exploring our trauma. Like some people work on, try, want to work on healing their trauma, but they're still in the abusive relationship. And it's like you actually need to get yourself in a place of physical safety before that the, the you yeah. know, the, the psychosomatic body will open up. I mean, I noticed that, too, with people who um, this happens a lot with the, was those who let's say they were in a, a secret space program or they believe that they were. Um, abducted and they want a hypnotic regression just to find out what happened. They want the information about Mm. experience because they have these, you know, large blocks of missing time. And, and it's almost as if it's a a compulsion to, to retrieve an identity back uh, and to get the information and the mental satisfaction of um, the identity that was stolen from you in the time. But Mm-hmm. In reality, you can't do that with like a simple few hypnotic regressions. You really have to um, not only have the safety, but our brain actually switches off the ability for memory and even feelings to come up when the conditions aren't met for a safe trauma resolution and safe healing. Mm. And this is where a certain energy dynamic model that I'm learning and doing with another colleague out of the UK named Jennifer Foster she has a fantastic way. She just kind of created this model based on her own observation of what really works for clients. And the energy dynamic model kind of, it's almost Taoist in its way of understanding humans. But to long story short, um, many people were unable to get to the true healing of basically the, the bottom line is to be able to grieve the losses mm-hmm. and the pain and whatever those traumas are then we hold those dark energies and then we separate from it by jumping into the mental zone, which would be a form of dissociation, but staying more in this mental way of living instead of the being feeling and then connecting with spirit. mm, You can call it spirit, mind, body. 
And that's, that's not happening in people who are dissociated or who are all in the mental realm. So many people in the Western world, we're all into the mental world or spiritual bypassing narratives, which keep us dissociated on purpose. Mm-hmm. And I'd say that now when I look at it, I'm saying there's something wrong with this. This mm-hmm. has been hijacked on purpose to keep us from being embodied and empowered and creating reality and recognizing the loose feeding operation that's going on with entrapping our souls in this recyclement process. Mm-hmm. I know I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but if we could be in the feeling zone and really do the grief work and then have what we need to get there, which yes. goes back to the safety, mm-hmm. the foundation of safety, but it's as if there is a energy reservoir inside of us that needs to be filled up to a certain degree to enable the process even to take place. Mm-hmm. So this is what I realized what was happening with people who had histories much like my own where, you know, I was abused all life long. I, I didn't know what not abuse is, right? Yeah. So I never even had the the existing energy foundation to even deal with the trauma or get the memories back because you're going to stay in amnesia until you build that energy level. So yes, and that comes through basic um, animal, she calls it the animal power needs in the energy dynamic model. There's like the animal power needs, the human, the personality and the ability. Mm. And so the most important ones really, and it goes back to uh, what was kind of uh, described in the Maslow's hierarchy of needs and the, right. I don't know if that's, well, Abraham Maslow, but this is actually more specific. And I believe it's more um, practical in our everyday life and applying it and understanding how it works. Yeah. That we have to have, well, basic loving kindness and care. Oh, my God. Yes. What's that, right? Yeah. Um, safety and freedom from physical pain. And then um, trying to find out where you're having energy leaks. Because mm-hmm. if you have energy leaks through, what, loose vampirism, mm-hmm. you can't build up your energy level and your foundation enough mm-hmm. to even allow the grieving process to take place. To even mm-hmm. allow spiritual power to come in and connect you to the ground so you can be yes. fully embodied. So learning this model was, was like an aha moment for me because it explained like, like I knew all about this stuff, right? Like all the models and, you know, like being academic and brainy, right? Um, it wasn't working in my life. Like I was stuck yeah. and I was stuck because the foundational energy of loving kindness and safety and freedom from pain, it, it, I didn't have enough energy to even grieve. Yeah, and with a chronic freeze response, as well as um, basically vampirized or trapped, stuck energy that can't be released because the conditions are not correct for that to take place. So the whole thing with healing now is like we want to create those conditions so that that process can even happen, actually, even on a more natural level. So it doesn't become a real scary thing of facing the trauma head on and having all this PTSD and like friggin' trigger crap. And, you know, like that's what happens with, with people who've had um, like alien abduction histories, or if you've had a secret space program, MK ultra thing, and you don't know it. And then you watch an interview, for example, I mean, this happened to me, right? I, I was watching a secret space program um, person called Johan Fritz. And he's like one of the most lucid people that I've heard in, in this a community of people who are speaking out about their experiences of being in some kind of secret, unacknowledged program that's mm. secret space, whatever. But I got so triggered from, from listening to several of his interviews. And I thought, okay, I'm done. And I hear this over and over again, you know, it's 
you know, no big deal, but that triggered me. And then I knew if something still triggers you and you have a reaction, you know, something's there. Yes. And that the conditions in order for that healing and that awareness and that grieving, whatever needs to take place, those conditions have not been met yet. Mm -hmm. We need to find out how to meet those conditions with those, um, what I call the basic animal power needs, your human power needs, love, safety, kindness, uh, freedom from physical pain, and being able to express yourself. Mm -hmm. So we have, I create that for my clients. If we can come to understand how that works, we create these conditions and we build it in a real way in the real world and the here and now in a practical way, then things just start falling into place more naturally. And that is a really, it's a wonderful magical process when it takes place. Yeah. yeah. So that's what we've been doing lately. Yeah, yeah. And the grief work is so huge. You know, <laughs> we I just even talked about this the other day. Right? Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, some, <clears throat> one of our neighbors lost her husband recently and I was talking to her daughter who's like this businesswoman who lives in this big city. And I could see how she was so, ar- she just lost her father, you know, and she was so armored up and so in her head. And it just made me realize again, like we don't know how to grieve in this culture, you know, we don't know how to, because because we're so we're so afraid of death too, you know. And death, I think, can even the grief process can be almost um, uh, an expression of love. You know, it's like love at the end of its life cycle. So it's really important that we we do that work to, to and create those conditions, you know, and that basic sense of safety. I know for some spiritual seekers like myself, I was just moving around from place to place. I never knew where I was going to live in the next few months, you know. And on a just physical animal level, like our body won't relax enough to do that deeper emotional and spiritual healing and trauma healing because, you know, our basic needs are not met. So we do have to look at those hierarchy of needs. Sometimes you want to like skip a step, you know, Um, but it is super important. And even, you know, if people are moving around a lot and they apply for our programs, you know, and don't know where they're going to live, I'm like, I don't know, you know, like you need to take care of your basic physical needs mm-hmm. before you get into this work because it's just not going to be as impactful you know there's a certain foundation yeah that yeah. reminds me of the way we work also this model you just described uh, it's very sounds very interesting eve it reminds me of what we apply what we call the fourfold approach of holistic self-work integral right work on all levels the physical emotional psychological and spiritual so as we know some people just only focus on the quote spiritual with all the distortion, spiritual bypassing and yeah. leaves room for more hijacking, interference and dissociation and all of that. And the illusion of waking up, basically. Right? Oh, yes. <laughs> we know that, right? <clears throat> then on the other hand, what I wanted to get your input, because as we know, you know, the, in your work and your experience, obviously, deep um, basic psychological work, trauma work, somatic work, very important shadow work as well. Yes. But I've also seen, you know, especially with myself, like I've done deep into the work and it's very important but if you do it just by itself there's always more to dig in the mud you always end up in childhood somehow you know yeah so there's also the other aspect of the, the spiritual aspect not to throw the baby with the bathwater to connect to source to essence to the divine god you know and i see many people who get into my work or your work of the hyper dimension there can be the fear of like oh my god i want to connect to god but i don't want to call in something mm. evil oh. in but at the same yes. time, there's a way to, we need to connect to God, divine, however your, you know, um, belief system may be from the Christian perspective, the true Christian perspective. I work more like from the yogic perspective of the divine union and call, you know, bringing in the light as well. And how we can do the safety without kind of like 
falling into paranoia of getting no. another trap of agreement, right? <laughs> and just as a side note, that paranoia, that was an interesting thing because I went to a 10-day retreat the beginning of this year. No, beginning last year, yep. 2020. And what I discovered, because I was like day four of my meditation and I was meditating with paranoia and like fear, oh my God, people are against me. And then I realized, you know, just feeling into my body because my teacher is a somatic meditation teacher, that this was linked to like deep primal ancestral fear of not being safe, you know? So when people are experiencing this paranoia, a lot of the time it's like really ancient fear, you know, where they just, and mm -hmm. it's almost like, and, and then it automatically you think the world is out to get you too. Yeah. Yeah. That's a trauma, like the unresolved trauma will cause that kind of paranoia and distorted yes. uh, view of, you know, well, a lot of conspiracy theories, not, that there aren't some that are actually true, but I've noticed that like uh, some people they're habitually falling into um, what we call the repetition compulsion of yes. chaos drama. They can't help it because their inner conflict of their stuff is so great. It's, it's like it keeps manifesting and they unconsciously do it, or sometimes they do it on purpose. Um, and it, it's just that it's unresolved inside, but it yeah. creates paranoia because I've had that, before where you don't know what to trust and and i think the reason why i like the energy model and just the simplicity of just like peter levine's work and the somatic experiencing is it takes away like a paranoia that you know you're gonna have to worry about some demonic thing you're just working with your body you're just working with your feelings you're just working with mm -hmm. the simple stuff yeah. Yeah. And and I think that if there is an attachment, it tends to to leave once our traumas are resolved, and we don't have a lot of deep conflictual fear. Mm -hmm. uh, and it tends to because it won't have anything to link into. It's kind of like uh, when we're dealing with narcissistic abuse. One of the things to do if to to not let them trigger you when they keep trying to pull you into their constant dramas and conflict, and them having to be better, you having to be less. You basically, you know, the gray rock. Yeah. Observe and absorb, but not absorb the, you know, the the feelings and the the, you know, they always make you feel like shit, right? And they gaslight you. So, if you can be boring to them, and mm. and they they won't have anything to hook on to, just okay. like the demons. And it's, it's like you become boring. And and then the truth is, you know, when you really do the real work, I don't know if it, you mentioned this, Bernard, but when you get back into the the simplicity of the somatic experiencing and the being, you can be content um, being boring. Yeah. Like getting into all this research and all this news and what's happening. And oh, you know, right. and there's all this like crap going on. I mean, it's, it is a lot of chaos ramping up and it is interesting. And there's a lot of interesting things. But when you really get into the beingness of who you are in simplicity, um, it's actually a better safer place to be that's more rooted and grounded yeah and, and then you become actually boring to the ones who keep wanting to like pull you in into mm. their trauma drama of what's the next chaos going on in this place that place da, 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 da. yeah yeah that's yeah. what chong and trumpa talked about that the importance of boredom on the spiritual path and being able to be bored you know and just sit and do nothing and you see it's the opposite of how we're conditioned these days where we're constantly Novelty. hooked in like it's like information extreme overload you know and just being able to sit and do nothing and just like stare out the window or whatever you know is like is actually it's a very magical like for me that's when i feel most connected to like my true self and that's when i feel most at peace 
Although I have to say it wasn't always like that, you know, because I think that what happens is since we're so used to information overload, people's minds are still going 100 miles a minute long after they've removed themselves from the information, you know, yeah. and that again is also, you know, the, the mind that's constantly on this narrative is also a trauma response in itself as well. Yeah, yeah. that's um, um, uh, well, we could probably talk about that maybe in the second hour is like how we can understand when we're being propelled into or actually pulled into the trauma drama. It's actually a large scale narcissistic abuse. Keep us in trauma, keep us dissociated, keep us from being empowered because that's part of an overall agenda. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. In some ways, you yes. know. Yeah, I think even we'll talk about that more in the second hour, but some, you know, tips for people who've suffered over the past year, because the past year, I think for many of us has registered as a trauma, you know, because knowingly or unknowingly, yeah, right? life has not been the same, you know, it was a big one off event. Actually, it's not a one off. It's a continuous event now, you know, and before that, I actually saw how a lot of people were out of body and traumatized, but now it's like kicked it up 10 times the amount, you know, and you see that even more, even people walking around with masks and very out of body and checked out, you know, so we can talk about that more in the second hour, because I think it is by design as well. Like it's almost like some occult force kind of yeah. entrapped us in trauma to release souls from their body and then more entry points to enter and take over humanity as well. Exactly. And I want to just add something that you said, Eve, um, about being boring. It reminds me also, you know, from an occult level, like just the basic called defense i'm sure you're familiar with the book psychic self-defense by dion fortune mm. you know, uh, classic, yeah. right uh -huh. and he wrote in the book you know whenever you're dealing with a panic-stricken friend or demon from the pit i'm kind of paraphrasing like she said you know mm -hmm. the best defense is never going out you know to react in defense mm. uh, in, in now go never go out and attack you know what i mean no don't respond in like so to speak, right? It is about, you know, what I call the zero point consciousness of non-reactive consciousness, yes. right? Not to give in, not give the luge what they want, which is easier said than done, <laughs> yeah, exactly. right? Especially if the trauma gets triggered. Yeah. <laughs> a counselor where like part of being a, I mean, I would naturally be somewhat, and it was somewhat codependent. I realize now later yeah. that, you know, people being willing to, to be a sounding board but there's some who are actually habitually addicted to pulling you in for the sake of, you know, it's, it's a self-flagellating, louche, stealing operation because of their own personality style mm. and choice to not really deal with their stuff, but instead use you. So that's where you kind of got to pull back and, and gray rock and not involve yourself. And mm. so... You, know, you can lose a few friends as they say when you when you start like i, I don't want to play that game anymore i mean yes yeah. 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 and i'm boring sorry <laughs> boundaries not yeah, very true well excellent eve so that um finished in the second hour let's i definitely want to go uh, more into what laura talked about these entry points and the collective trauma we're going through what's happening right now and how this ties into the jab the quote-unquote uh, vaccine, which is not really a vaccine in the traditional sense, and how that relates to, you know, take over luge and like full on possession and like the end game from a hyperdimensional alien perspective, what we're, you know, the technocratic transhumanistic agenda. So let's dive into that <laughs> into the second but hour. And the books, my books. Yeah, exactly. Just please go ahead. Yeah, 
wanted to say they're both available through alibris.com as used books now. Mm-hmm. So now I finally have a, a seller that sells these and because it, my publisher decided not to and the other one basically sold out and it was like a very, very high price. So now I just want to make sure that it's available now. So And your website too is just evelorgan.com or... Yeah, evelorgan.com. And then there's a there's a Facebook Alien Love Bite group as well. And yeah, you do one-on-one work currently with people too, right? You're open for sessions. Yeah. Yeah. So if so, anyone's interested, they could go to your website. We'll put it in the uh the info section. In the info yeah. section. Yeah. Excellent. And again, for anybody who wants access to the second hour, if you're not already a member, go to my website, veilofreality.com to subscribe, uh, also to support our work. We appreciate it. You would have access to all the second hours of all podcasts, including the membership forum. And also, as of now, we still have some spots available in our course, right? Yeah, an embodied, embodied soul, soul awakening. awakening. So if you're a fan of group work, we have a really amazing group already. Um, and we're working on the fourfold approach of holistic self-work. So we cover a lot of these topics, actually, that we exactly. spoke about. Exactly, in an outer work, and it's limited to 25 people. So great, Eve, thank you so much, and we'll be right back.